Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow Yeah, welcome. It's another Tuesday, and it's time, you guessed it, for Blog Talk Radio with The Catch and your host. Uh, I am John Fisher. Uh, I write The Catch every morning, five days a week. And if you don't get it, um, you should go to uh, catchjohnfisher.com, and you can sign up there. Just be sure to spell that. F-I-S-C-H-E-R, catchjohnfisher.com. And you can sign up to get the catch every day. And uh, catch is now a lot more than just a daily blog. It's, uh, it's a prayer team. It's, uh, we have member partners who are very involved in many different aspects. We, do, uh, we, we have a lot of uh, studying going on, and, and we research things and suggest books for people to read and uh then we've got counseling going on it's really pretty pretty exciting um basically a community and uh our latest thing is at 6 p.m on sundays we have church and we actually have uh church at facebook.com um uh facebook.com forward slash the catch and that is where you go live, and we do we do Facebook Live, and that's a, a, a new unique uh, facility offered by Facebook that allows people to uh, communicate. You can type in messages, so we're actually talking to you, and we have what we call Body Life, where people can uh, ask for prayer for various things, and um, comment, and tell jokes, and really fun it's uh you really should try it out it's a church like you've never done before and we've got we have people from hong kong and australia and it's kind of cool that uh, that we're actually having church live so uh, that's a little bit about the catch but i don't want to talk talk too much more because on our blog talk radio show we always have a guest almost always and uh tonight is no exception uh, we have a, a guest who is a friend of mine. Um, uh, I say friend, and we have we've spent a couple evenings together, um, and uh, but we have a lot in common, and one of those things in common is what what uh, called him to write a book. And uh, just just to introduce the subject, I, I have been um, most of you know I was involved in the Jesus movement in the early 70s, and then watched this whole Christian subculture uh, grow up uh, after that. And um, I wrote a column for 23 years in Contemporary Christian Music Magazine, and there I actually asked a lot of questions 
about where we were going because there were things that bothered me. I wasn't sure we were doing this right. And one of the things that kept coming up as I got more and more courage to, to say, no, no, this is wrong, was the, and first it was the moral majority, and then it became the Christian coalition, and then it became the Christian involvement in politics in the Republican Party, uh, and uh, it almost became synonymous to, to the gospel there for a while. And uh, um, I wrote about that as much as I could. Um, and I ran into uh, Gregory Boyd's book, The Myth of a Christian Nation. It may be, even be our guest who introduced me to that book. I'm not sure. But uh, actually, Greg Boyd does the forward on the book we're going to talk about tonight, written by our guest, Jesus Untangled. And I love this subtitle, Crucifying Our Politics to Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. <laughs> uh, we were, wait a minute, we're supposed to crucify, the Lamb was crucified, bless and pledge allegiance to the, I love the way the words are twisted around there. You really do have to spend some time with that subtitle, Crucifying Our Politics to Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. We're going to find out why it's necessary to do that, why you have to crucify your politics in order to pledge allegiance to the Lamb. But first, let's welcome our guest, Keith Giles. Keith, welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Keith, you're there. It's my fault. Now, let me oh, say that okay. again. I had you off. <laughs> I had okay. you turned off. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, and, uh, and it's great to be on. John, I'm a huge fan. Um, I used to read that CCM column that you're talking about, and uh, it really was an inspiration for me as a writer to write about things that asked questions the way you did. And I really loved the way uh, that you had that cool. kind of courage fearlessness, you know, to kind of challenge things that, that didn't line up with the gospel of the kingdom. And um, so I'm thrilled to be on your podcast and, uh, and excited to talk about the book. Yeah, this is exciting. I, you know, Keith, uh, you probably did some research on this. I, do you know, are there a lot of books on, on this now? Or is it still, is it is a, such a, uh, a sensitive area that not that many people have really written about it. Well, I think from the Christian side, there may not be a whole lot of them. Um, uh, you mentioned Greg Boyd's book, The Myth of a Christian Nation, which I, I think is, anyone interested in this topic, if, if you've not read that book, definitely I would recommend that book. Uh, because it, his book really deals with that kind of, the, it really is a myth that unfortunately most Christians accept um, and that I, the idea that we America is a Christian nation, and if you accept that myth, you know a whole lot of uh, misunderstandings come out of that and some bad behaviors. My book is dealing more about um, those kinds of behaviors that come out of that assumption. Um, but there are other books. Um, okay. I think Brian Zahn has written uh, some books that, that at least touch on some of these themes. And um, yeah. yeah, and there was uh, a book. Randall there's an excellent book. Yeah. And there's also an excellent book that I that I used a little bit in some of my research. Um, it's called Blinded by Might, and it's actually written by Ed Dobson and Cal Thomas together. And they were oh, two yeah. of the guys 
they were two of the guys who were right there when a lot of the more recent entanglement was going on with Reagan in the 80s. And so that book is an amazing book because here are two guys who are Christians who were really responsible for creating a lot of the mess we're in now, and they both wrote a book where they basically say, I'll summarize the book for you, the, the summary of the book is, oops, we messed up. Uh, this didn't work. This was a bad idea. And that's what's so great about it was just like them coming out and writing a book to admit that they had fallen for it, right? They had gotten sucked into um, nationalism and, and Christianity getting mixed together. I make, Like in my book, I start off my book with a quote. I say, well, it's actually a joke uh, that says, you know, what do you get when you mix religion and politics? And the answer is you get politics. And um, essentially that's what these guys yeah. talked about was that, you know, they thought they were going to do something yeah. great. And they said, you know, if anybody should have been able to make this work, it was us, you know. We had everything behind us. We had this massive wave of Christians behind us. We had this massive support behind us. Mm-hmm. We, we thought we had the president behind us and administration behind us and the Republican majority in Congress behind us. And we should have been able to, to make all these things happen. And the bottom line was we didn't. We got played like a violin. And in the end, you know, the winner was, was the Republican Party, unfortunately, and the loser was the church. Yeah, yeah, so much so. Boy, I'm so thankful that you uh, spent some time on this book. And uh, um, I want to get right down to what I, what I really want to know is is some of your own personal journey, because I, I understand just a little bit from from your book and and from uh, uh, one of the interviews I saw on your website the, that um, uh, you you were actually pretty much into this yourself at one time. And I, I'm, I'm different than that. I, I registered as a dem- Democrat um, in, uh, well, it was when Robert Kennedy was assassinated because I was getting ready to vote that year. And um, uh, I really wanted to vote for him and in the primaries. Um, but uh, I, so I never really got into the, the whole, I, I just always, always wondered about it. And, and it got more and more troubled as as the time went on. But you were a little tell us a little bit about your journey, and mainly I want to know when did the light go on? When when did you go? Something isn't right about this, and and what caused that? <clears throat> yeah, so it was a little bit of a you know I think with like with everything I have a little phrase that says you know we're all in process, and so everybody I think is we should be anyway we should be growing and maturing and process on different things. So, yeah, when I was a young man, um, when I was first eligible to vote, my first thing was I registered Republican. I lived in Texas at the time. Uh, And so, you know, my upbringing was very much uh, in the conservative Christian thing. And and, and it was right when all that with Reagan was happening and I was listening to Rush Limbaugh and the radio and listening, reading his books. And I was a member of the NRA and I mean, I was as deep as you could get in that whole thing. And I was right there when it was all really starting to, to build up um, this idea of the entanglement. And and unfortunately, I kind of probably remained entangled for probably almost a decade. before It took, it took a long time. Uh, I think one of the first moments that I had a, had a personal epiphany, like I kind of had a wake-up call, uh, was I was I, I moved to California about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. I moved to California, 
And so uh, I was calling my mom and dad long distance back in El Paso just to catch up with them, and they told me that a friend of ours had become a Christian. Uh, and I was so excited, you know, a lifelong friend that we had known a long, long time who was not a believer, and I was really thrilled about that and, you know, excited about that. And a couple of months later, I, I talked to my parents again, and I asked about her, and my dad said, well, I don't think she really is a Christian. I think I don't think she had a genuine conversion. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, she voted Democrat in the last election. And he was serious. And I think that was the first moment that I realized, oh, my gosh, you know, my dad thinks you can't be a Christian and vote a certain way. And, like, it's almost a test of faith. And I think think that was the first moment. I I talk about how, you know, it's easier to see the the speck in someone else's eye than to see the plank in your own eye. Uh, Mm -hmm. I recognized Mm -hmm. recognized the speck in in my dad's eye. And then I suddenly took a step back and realized, oh, my gosh, you know what? I think I've got a massive plank in my own eye in the same area. And so I just really started um, about about the same time I I discovered something called the good news or the gospel of the kingdom in a way that I had never understood it before. And I think that was really Hmm. what started to rearrange the furniture in my mind and my heart. Um, about what does it mean to be a Christian, that it wasn't about just saying a prayer so I could go to heaven when I die, but it was actually about Mm -hmm. right now, today, submitting my life to a king and a kingdom and following Jesus uh, in my actual life. And then when I started from that point, then I couldn't any longer pledge allegiance to, um, you know, a, a political party or political ideology um, and I think also I started more and more just to recognize, I think the older you get, you notice these things. You started noticing that uh, how politics and people in politics will just manipulate people with fear. Um, you know, you demonize the other side. And, mm. and, you know, and I just started realizing, I did, I, I, it got to the point where I didn't fall for it anymore. I just realized it is just manipulation. It's just trying to get your votes or your money or, you know, you sign, sign something uh, sign a survey or, a, or you know, a, some kind of a pledge or something. And so it was really just a way to, to manipulate you. But it didn't happen overnight. It took a long time. And I actually ended up swinging. The pendulum sw- swung for a brief moment. I got really um, disillusioned with the Republican Party, and I swung over to the Democrat Party, and I thought, well, maybe, what, maybe the problem is I'm just voting for the wrong people. Uh, and then I swung over to just mm. for a brief time. I, I, I swung to the other side, and I realized, okay, no, the problem, the answer to the problem is not. Let's just, if we could just vote for the right candidate, if we could just find the right politician. The bottom line was there weren't any right politicians, and the problems of our world are not ultimately, well, the, the problems of our world are ultimately spiritual, and that means the, the solution to our problems are spiritual and not political. Um, and then I just abandoned the whole thing. Then I just realized I need to I need to step away from the entire thing and just completely pledge allegiance to Christ and His kingdom. What, um, Keith? What What are the What are some of the most typical things that uh, Christians who get tangled up in politics? What are the most significant things that keep coming up that you think that that they get? blinded by or that they get wrong or they don't see. Uh, do you understand my yeah. question? Does that make sense? 
I think so. Uh, let me. I mean, I'll try and answer it, but you let me know if I if I don't quite do it. Um, I, I think what I and again again what I'm talking about when I talk about this, I want to remind people I'm not I'm not targeting Christians who are like this as if you know I'm not against them because again I'm I'm talking right. about myself. But this is who I was a few years ago, so I, I'm trying to have a lot of grace. Uh, even in writing the book right. or talking about it, There's a lot of grace for people who may find themselves in this place. But I think, like to me, some of the dangers, and I think what Christians don't understand, um, that first of all, this entanglement is a distraction. Uh, you know, I say in the book, you can't convert a culture if that culture has already converted you. And and that's what I mm. think they don't understand is that an, an intense allegiance to a political party uh, really is an entanglement where now you have become so much a part of the culture um, that your witness is sort of, um, you know, you've watered it down and you've weakened it to to such a degree that you're... I, I also use that analogy sometimes that, you know, in the movie The Matrix, Neo can't help anybody escape The Matrix as long as he's still plugged into it himself. Uh, you have to yeah. You have to unplug from The Matrix first, first to recognize you are plugged in, then then get unplugged, and then you can help other people. Um, but as long as you're waving mm. a flag and your identity, and this is the other thing I talk about in the book, is that um, when, we, when we think about our identity, we think about who we are, most, unfortunately most American Christians are more American than they are Christian. Um, and so they, are, mm. they get sucked into a mentality, into a tribalism. And once you get into tribalism, tribalism is... Uh, again, it allows you to talk about uh, people who aren't in your tribe in such general sweeping terms, usually very, very negative. It becomes an us versus them. Um, and they're all bad, and their motives are always evil, and they are always, you know, and it, I don't know, if you if you're, spend any time on Facebook, you'll notice these kinds of memes or these kinds of statements. Liberals mm-hmm, are this way, yeah. and now all liberals are, or all conservatives are foolish, and they all, and those things are not true, uh, first of all. But but when you generalize that way and you 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 become so tribalistic in your thinking and behavior, and you demonize the other side to that degree, and now then anything you do or say can be justified because they're so evil, they're so bad. Anything I do or say against them uh, is justified, and that isn't the gospel. You know, um, we don't ever want to treat other people. And I think a great example is is what we see in the book of First uh, Corinthians. You know. Paul, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth, and he was upset at them because they were tribalistic about which apostle was their favorite. And he refused to allow them to identify themselves as, I'm with Peter, I'm with Paul, I'm with Apollos. Uh, and he reminded all of them, look, no, 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 you're all one family under Christ who is your head. You're one body under Christ. Um, and, and so if, if Paul would not allow, if the New Testament doesn't allow Christians to divide over which apostle is their favorite, I don't think we have any room to divide over which political party or or politician, uh, et cetera. You know, is uh, we, we oh identify my, with. yeah, that's great. Mm. And I, I think, and, and one other example I think is interesting in scripture too is um, I love when Joshua is uh, geared up for battle against Jericho and he looks and he sees this uh, a soldier he doesn't recognize. And he comes up to him and, on the battlefield and he says, are you with us or are you with them? And he doesn't realize he's talking to the angel of the Lord's host, the, the, um, you know, the captain of the Lord's army. And, um, 
And it's an interesting question because the answer we would think would be obvious. Well, you know, is, is God with the nation of Israel, which are God's people, or is God with Jericho, which are pagans and don't worship him at all? But the answer, we, we don't get the answer we expect. So Jericho asks the, the commander, the, the captain of the angels, uh, the Lord's armies, he says, are you with us or are you with them? The answer is neither. And so we can't even assume that, oh, God's on my side. The, the question isn't if God is on my side. The question is, are we on his side? Yeah, yeah. I love Bob Dylan's song, With God on Our Side. He was way yeah. ahead of it. What a prophet that guy was. Um, yes, he was. You know, <laughs> um, I love something that you said in your book and, and in a couple of the interviews uh, that that uh, actually there are more – if you talk about Christians on the planet um, mm-hmm. as a whole, um, you know, there there really aren't that many Christians who are Republicans. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Expand on that. Tell, talk about that. I, how do you say that? Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, so, so normally if I'm in a conversation with a Christian brother or sister and I, I kind of I sense that there's maybe some entanglement there about politics, uh, yeah, I'll usually just ask them the question, you know, I'll say uh, hypothetically, imagine somebody in a foreign country, you know, let's say North Korea or Africa or South America, uh, that they become, that they hear the gospel and they genuinely come to faith in Christ and they have a sincere, genuine uh, conversion and now they're following Jesus. So my question now is, is that person also a Republican? Are they also a capitalist or even a Democrat? And, and uh, I ask that question because the obvious answer is no, but, but I want Christians to, in America especially, to take a step back and recognize that um, it's possible to follow Jesus without these political ideals and agendas mm-hmm. and uh, – Perspectives, and not only is it possible to do so, most Christians on this planet are not American, and that means that most Christians <laughs> on this planet are not Republicans or Democrats or capitalists or anything like that. And so it's it's yeah. we need to wake up. We just need to uh, take a step back and realize yeah. we are we are entangled. You know, we we have gotten to the point, like you said, you know, in the beginning of entanglement. It, it, what it looks like is the church is sort of partnering with politicians or politics. But very quickly, that entanglement it becomes so blurry that you do reach a point where you cannot tell the difference. You, you, you don't even understand mm. where the gospel begins or ends and the political platform begins or ends. To the point where, you know, when I've heard Christians talk about, let's say, the Johnson Amendment, which apparently is – something that might be revisited and be repealed by this administration. And, I, and Christians talk about it as if it's a good thing. And they talk about the repeal of the Johnson Amendment, which basically would allow then even more entanglement yeah. um, between churches and, and politics. But I've heard, people, I've heard people say this, that you know, the reason why they want this, the Johnson Amendment repealed is so that they'll be free to preach the gospel. And I just think, what do you mm. think the gospel is? If you think you haven't been free to preach the gospel to this point, like we're not in communist China. Mm. Uh, 
you are absolutely free to preach the, the good news of the kingdom, the gospel, right? Um, but, but see, they, they think they're not because they don't even really know where the gospel begins and, and uh, their political oh, wow. ideology ends. Wow, wow. That's a great point. Um, Keith, I'd, I'd like to see what you would answer to this question. Um, why do you think people get so emotionally involved with politics. I, I think that's, that's the part that I just, just am, uh, amazes me. And I watched it happen, especially in, you know, during the Clinton administration when, uh, you know, Bill Clinton was like, like the Antichrist in some places. Right. And um, right. uh, uh, people were, you know, an abortion issue, and they would get so riled up. Why? Why do you think that happens? Why do we get so mostly involved with politics? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I agree that it definitely does happen. I agree that Christians, uh, and again, I think it's one of the evidences of the entanglement. You know, where you have Christians who would, at the drop of a hat argue passionately with a total stranger over issues of political issues, but would never, ever share their, uh, their faith in Christ with the same person. Mm. Um, and so mm. there's, there's just way more passion about politics and typically, um, you know, like you said, a, a fighting kind of uh, anger uh, and animosity, if you dare disagree. I, I, I personally think um, – it's, it is tied to this tribalism idea, you know, that you start to think you're either for me or against me. You're, with their, you know, you're either with us or you're with them. And that us-them uh, tribalistic thinking, it, like I said, it gives you permission to just say all kinds of hurtful and angry uh, things uh, about someone else. And again, and often what I see in this happens is it's, it's Christians saying it to other Christians. Um, I mean, it's it's really painful and I'm sure it's really painful for the Lord Jesus to watch his children, um, you know, divide and argue and, and, and be unable to fellowship with a brother or sister in Christ because they disagree on some political issue. Yeah. Do you think some of it might do with, with placing too much importance on, on politics and legislation to where we, we think we can actually change people and change the world by changing legislation. I mean, if we outlaw abortions and no one's going to ever get an abortion again, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I think you're right. And see, this is something I run into a lot because the, the kind of the thrust of my book is well, I'm wanting to not just point out the entanglement, but I'm, I'm encouraging Christians to disengage from, politics completely and to to not engage in that at all now typically when i say that the response that i get from christians will be things like well you know the only the only thing that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing and keith if you're telling us not Mm. to involve ourselves in politics then you're just abandoning the world you know to satan and his minions and that reaction again puts its mm-hmm. finger on the, on the reality that when I'm talking to Christians and I say don't engage in politics and then their first thought is, oh, then what you're saying is do nothing, 
I want to ask them now, what do you think the gospel is, and what is it you think the gospel was designed to do? Like, as if, the, as if, as if without politics, we're powerless to change the world. Uh, mm. You know, like, Jesus showed up on the scene wow. and really didn't have any other plans, uh, any other ideas other than, well, I hope you can elect the right people, I hope you guys can get some good political parties together and elect some really godly politicians, and maybe that'll change the world. I hope so. Let me know how it goes. I mean, is that what we read about when we read about the gospel? No. Jesus gave us a, uh, a system, a virus, uh, a gospel that was designed by him, and the intention of that gospel is to first transform us into people who look and act and love like Jesus, and then to transform people around us, right, our family, our neighbors, our community, uh, our nation, into people who look and act like Jesus. That, so, so we forget. We get so distracted by politics. We forget that not only do we have another way to influence the culture, we have a better way to influence the culture, and we have a, a way of influence the culture that is uh, – exponentially more powerful and more effective than politics. I tell you, if, if any politician could get their hands on something like the gospel, that they could not just pass mm. laws, but they could change people's hearts and minds from the inside out, oh my gosh, they would trade with us in a heartbeat. And I think that's part, partly mm. why politicians uh, are so, it's not just because they see it as a voting block. I think they recognize that if, if they twist it just enough, they can get people to have that same kind of, um, you know what I mean? They, they, can, they can pervert the gospel wow. in such a way that people now, instead of being devoted to Christ, are devoted to their political ideology, which mm. is, you know, it's, it's profane. It's really sad. But I want, I want Christians to be, here's another way to think of it. Um, I, I want Christians to be more patriotic. Uh, because we are, as followers of Christ, we are members of, of his kingdom. We're ambassadors of Christ and his kingdom. We have a nation already. We have a brand-new nation that transcends borders and transcends, uh, you know, covers the planet. And I think we're not patriotic enough, if anything, uh, about Jesus as mm. our king and, and uh, what Peter calls, you know, one holy nation, which is the church. Um, so I would encourage us to, to if, if you want to think of it this way, Instead of abandoning politics and abandoning patriotism and nationalism, just be patriotic and, and nationalistic about Christ and His kingdom. And I think that's mm. really the answer. We're, we're just we just aren't patriotic enough about Christ and His kingdom. Wow! Wow! Well, uh, Keith, just a couple of quick questions now because we're getting close to our end here. But uh, this has been really insightful. I appreciate it. Um, where, where do you think we are now? You know, it seems like now it looks to me like things have, have, uh, softened a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's still there because I, you know, I didn't notice any evangelicals supporting Hillary and I did notice right. them supporting Trump, but yes. it doesn't seem to have the same, same force that it used to have. I think people, Christians maybe are starting uh, to to see when both of these candidates were were so bizarre and so undesirable in many ways. Where where do you think this this whole thing is at right now? 
Well, um, and, and maybe I'm just uh, maybe I'm just hanging out in the wrong places or the wrong circles, John. But uh, I I don't know. I kind of don't feel like that this is over. I, I feel I, I I do feel like a lot of Christians yeah. who really who really did support Trump uh, are maybe maybe starting to realize, wait a minute, what have we done? This didn't work out the way we expected. Um, but but unfortunately, I see just as many, if not more, Christians doubling down and now wanting to claim that God, you know, uh, if, and there are many evangelical Christian leaders very vocally uh, reinforcing this idea that, you know, Trump is God's man and Trump is God's choice and God's leader and he's going to give, uh, you know, the church legitimacy again. And I think we're still chasing after the same things we were chasing after under Reagan, unfortunately. Um, And so that's that's really what concerns me. And I frankly, I think it's one of the reasons why my book has done so well is that uh, there are Christians kind of in this limbo space of of not knowing what to make of it. And and right now, it's just good, perfect timing, really. I think God. God inspired me to write this book last year because he knew this year would mm-hmm. be a lot of Christians wanting some answers and direction. Yeah, fantastic. Um, how do we crucify our politics? Well, I think it's really how, how, just simply. Okay. No, no, I'm, I'm. You go ahead with your answer. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's just as simple as you know, like coming to Jesus and declaring, you know, surrendering our life to Him and, and taking the crown off of our own head and laying it at His feet and saying, Jesus, You're my King. Uh, I pledge allegiance to You and Your kingdom, uh, and I'm gonna daily. Unfortunately, it's not a switch that we can just flip and and we'll just be you know, it, it all suddenly is gonna be better. It's it's a daily decision, right? Everything about the kingdom really is a daily thing. Jesus tells us to pray for daily bread. Um, We offer ourselves uh, daily as a living sacrifice. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's a daily constant Mm -hmm. surrender to him and his kingdom. And, And then, you know, we have to have a willingness to say, Jesus, I have an open hand here. And if, if, if my, passion for politics is offensive to you, if it's a distraction, if it's causing division in the body of Christ, if it's causing, and this is happening, if it's causing thousands of young people to walk away from the church because they come to the church wanting to hear about Jesus, but instead they hear Fox News sermons or they hear sermons about all the things mm-hmm. that the church is against and not about what Jesus is for. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we, we just really need to come to a place, I think, of saying, Jesus, we want to start with you. We're going to daily follow you. And we're willing to crucify anything in our life that doesn't please you and that, that hinders the gospel and the advancing of the kingdom. Wow. One last question. Um, we are, we live in a democracy. We are Americans. We have the privilege of voting. Um, politics is a part of our life. It's a part of our identity being Americans. Uh, where is where is the right place for it? How can we find that? What's what's a healthy way in which a Christian can think about and be involved in in in, in politics as an American? Yeah, I, I think it's um again I don't want to <clears throat> my my goal is not to create some sort of legalistic rules of you know 
you must do this and you must do that. Mm-hmm. But, but I would say um, I think there's a difference between issues of justice and politics. Um, I think the church should stand for the oppressed. I think we should speak out for those who are weak and those who are um, – I think Jesus always stood with those who are on the bottom and who are on the outcasts. And um, I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think the danger is when we start putting our hope in politicians and, and political systems and political parties uh, as if this is going to make the world a better place. Uh, we have to really just fully, I think, commit ourselves to saying that the gospel is the best hope for ourselves and for our communities, our families, our nation, uh, our world, um, and to really go all in with the gospel and commit ourselves to that. Uh, and I'm not saying don't vote, like, oh, if you vote, God's going to be angry at you, but I would say be very, very careful not to think that by voting you have uh, you have come mm-hmm. to the end of what it is that Jesus has called you to do as a follower of Christ. Yeah. So good, so good. Keith, thank you so much for taking some time with us. And uh, where do, uh, what's the easiest way to get a hold of your book? Well, you can just go to Amazon.com and search Jesus Untangled, and it should come right up. Or you can go to – we have a book page that's JesusUntangled.com, and you can also find links there to purchase it. And, uh, or you can go to my blog, which is just my name, KeithGiles.com. Okay, Keith Giles. Thank you so much, Keith. Um, this has been really good and uh, insightful. I hope, it does, I hope the book does really well. And um, thanks for being on our show. Thank you, John, so much. God bless. Okay. You're welcome. Okay, there you go, folks. Jesus untangled, crucifying our politics to pledge allegiance to the Lord. Let's get it This is wonderful. Okay, thanks for joining us on, on the catch. Blog Talk Radio. We'll see you next Tuesday night. God bless.